Psalms 122. I was glad because they said to me, let's go up to the Lord's temple. Our feet are standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city designed to accommodate an assembly. The tribes have come up here, the tribes of the Lord, where it is required that Israel would give thanks to the name of the Lord. Indeed, the leaders sit there on thrones and are making legal decisions on the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love her prosper. May there be peace inside your defenses and prosperity inside your fortresses. For the sake of my brothers and my neighbors, I will say, let there be peace in you. And for the sake of the temple of the Lord our God, I pray that you will prosper.
to right. He has put to right. He has put to right all we have wrong. Oh, he has put to right. He has put to right all that the powers think that they can do. of the air they want you to think that we're all alone down here all the powers of the air and all the prince of the air want you to think that you're of no effect don't base what you know off of what you can see with those temporal eyes obey what do you know by the word of the king and what he has promised because where two or more are gathered in his name he says he is there and the king of kings never lies never lies never lies Strong from Emmanuel's veins. You can dump in, you can dive in, you can plunge in and be made to burn like the stars of the heavens. Oh, don't rely on what your temporal eyes or your temporal ears can hear. making all things new oh believe in his promise oh believe in his promise oh believe in his promise proclaim his promise proclaim his promise Emmanuel comes Emmanuel comes oh praise the one who comes thunder in his and lightning in his eyes oh praise the one who comes with a sword in his mouth oh oh praise the one who comes oh who lights the world with the very sound of his voice oh praise the one who comes who's always been
Isaiah chapter number four. Seven women will grab hold of the one man at that time. Seven women will grab hold of the one new man at that time. quite a disparity there between seven women and one man. And I asked the Lord, what do you mean saying Isaiah 4 to me? He's like, well, your nation was gutted because of the world war. We did have some non-interventionist policies going on in our uh, presidency. When we intervened in the global war, number one and number two, gutted a lot of the families of the men in the family. A lot of families were left with single moms and their children, right? And due to that, a lot of the travesty that's befell this nation today is because of that. Fathers, Many fathers, many dads uh, lost their lives over in the world wars. And I don't know if some of you are, may have experienced some of the byproducts of that. I know my grandfather coming back for World War II was deeply, deeply affected by that war in a very negative way. I think it really ended up leading, leading him to his own uh, early death. Affect the men. Vietnam, the Korean Wars. And whether you agree with policy related to non-intervention or intervention, the fact of the matter is our nation lost a lot of good men. And it affects us today related to the identity confusion that is happening in this nation right now. The grandfather wasn't there. The father wasn't there. You know, and... Um, the Lord said, you know, to me this morning, I'm going to place a hope right before you concerning this nation. I'll call seven women to grab the one new man.
right out of Ephesians. They'll say, you know, I, I feel that strength of the peace and the security is coming from your nature that has the heart of the Father in it. And I can be transformed there. It's a call to, not a call to infidelity, not a call to uh, pornography, but a call to true, the true patron of the Father indwelling the men that are left within this nation are the sons of Zion. It's a call to purity and chastity and holiness. It's a call to real representative government. It's a call to the one new man. Christ will be formed in us fully. And they will say this, the ladies will say this. We'll even provide our own food. We will provide even our own clothes. Let us belong to you and take away our shame. What was it? The shame of childlessness and not bearing fruit. The shame of being felt left out and not cared for, which every lady in this house knows how important that is. And every lady knows that she wants to be loved and she wants to be taken care of. We long, they will say, we long so much to have the shame removed that we'll even go and get our own provision. Just take this shame off of us. And today, that we would make a proper, pro, proclamation that, yes, that the sons of Zion would rise. Not sons of Sinai anymore, but of Zion. And we would turn them back to the one who is our husband, the Lord. And I'll no longer be your master anymore, but a husband I will be to you. And even the prophetic unction in the land out of Zechariah. It say, I'm not a prophet, but a husbandman I am. I'm a tiller of the ground from my youth. There'll be no more deception. No more deception in the prophetic movement. But just godliness and holiness and a one new man. The new. There would be safety. For the women and the children, true safety and true provision and true blessing. And God would call us to this reality. And he says at that time when that happens, the crops given by the Lord will bring admiration and honor. Now how are we going to provide for that many? I'll bring a blessing on the provision. It won't be dog-eat-dog dog anymore. It won't be a reduction of resources. It won't be a Marxist society. It'll be one that's filled with provision and blessing. It won't be my foreign no more. 
come, all that are hungry. The Lord is more than enough. It will be a source of pride and delight to those who listen to who are the remnant in Israel. For those who remain in Zion. Oh, foolish Galatians, who bewitched you to run back to the law when Jesus has fulfilled the whole entire covenant himself and that we could look unto him who has everything in himself? be called holy are the ones who are special and all in Jerusalem are destined to live and at that time the sovereign master will wash the excrement the field from Zion's women he'll rinse the blood stains out of Jerusalem's midst gets a people, a remnant in Zion. The land can be cleansed even from the abortions that have been committed on this property. He'll rinse it clean. He wants a remnant in Zion. He wants to clean up the excrement. He wants to clean up the field. He's calling a remnant to be with him. I'll take it off of them. I'm coming as a judge he says and it, I'm bringing a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning like Stephen was seeing I'm bringing burning I'm bringing fire to cleanse I'm bringing water to purify as it is in the days of Lot and Noah so shall it be in the days the son of man returns Lord and burn out everything that hinders anything that is unlike you in us then the Lord will create over all Mount Zion and over its convocations a cloud a cloud of fire a cloud of smoke by day and a bright flame by the fire in the night. He said before this event started the day to me, he said, I will come as a canopy to you. And I will be a canopy. I will be your protection. I'm going to canopy and it will accompany the Lord's glorious presence. I'll be a shelter to you. I'll provide shade from the heat for you. I'll be your safety and your protection from the heavy downpour.
upward To Zion, to Zion, to Zion, to Zion
Let the mountain of the Lord in Zion. Let it rise in this nation, Lord. Rise. Rise, remnant, rise. Rise up into your place in the heavens. Rise, hope.
of our enemy are coming down while the Lord installs a canopy for Israel. Oh, let the palladium canopy from the four corners of this nation be installed. And thank you, Father.
was going to ask my wife and um, uh, the McManuses and uh, Jeff and Kelly Man if you'll come on the stage. First meeting I met the Mannings in was I was up preaching diplomacy unveiled. And even that day when they first walked into that first meeting was been over probably eleven years ago. I guess since the Spirit of God tell me I'm raise him up as an ambassador. Later on, I'd find out from the Lord, he said, well, call him plenipotentiary. I had to look it up. But basically, it's ambassadorship like this. When a host nation sends an ambassador out, they always give a set of like requirements and things that are made for the other nation to deliver. And they report back to the said leadership of that nation. What are the results of their convocation or their time together to bring diplomacy? But when the Lord was raising up the Mannings, he said, I'll make him plenty potentate. I said, Lord, what does that mean? He said, well, it's like this. I'll so put my trust in him that the host nation would never even have to tell them what to say because he'll be so in me and I'll be so in him He'll say exactly what I would say if I was in him myself, and I am. And in our meeting last week, one new man, and the Lord said to me, one new manning, husband and wife, the most beautiful testimony, if you get to hear it, go back and listen to it. I'll step forward. calling 
Because it started with him so long ago. Thank you for your election. Thank you for your choosing. May the Lord bless you, Mannings. May he keep you. May he make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. Under the direct authority of the Lord. We release, Lord. Your scepter to govern. And your birthright for land. Release it on them, Lord. Give them the full reality of Christ in them. The fullness of the reality. No more Zion, but Zion. No more Sinai, but Zion. Pitched up into the heavens. In the council, the soda of Yahweh. Declaring like Jeremiah and Micaiah. The greatness of our king. One nation, Jeff, one church. nation, one king, one shepherd, one church. It was birthed into your heart all these years ago that it would be so. Rain down blessing, Lord. Rain it down. For dispatch, for international relationship, for policy. Just be a day of shifting. impression during worship that we were in a in a uh, basketball game 
and the team was behind, and there was a two-minute warning. It was like Jeff was uh, the coach. And at the two-minute mark on a game, it's whatever has happened before that time really doesn't matter. The ups and downs, the failures, the defeats, uh, whatever has happened does not matter. It's a brand new game. Like a new man for a new game. And there was a different strategy came, that came forth. It wasn't uh, like what was happening the beginning of the game. It was uh, incredibly uh, more complex. It was a full court press that was called. And you might know that uh, there's different uh, people have different zones in uh, the full court press. It might be like a 3-2-1 or, uh, or uh, you know, two and and three people on the half court and they're pressing against the other team. The other team bobbles the ball, throws the ball away, throws it to eat, uh, the good guys, which are us. <laughs> and it was like uh, Gad was in the, in the background uh, declaring boop, 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 on the trumpet the different strategies that were called out to be executed and changed at a moment, at a moment, at a moment. And from now on, there is a full court press. And you will, will be worn out until you cannot stand. And then you'll be there'll be a substitution and that will come in. And there'll be different men that will be called forth and called forth at a moment's notice and women that are called forth in a moment's notice and they will give and move with all their heart, with all their strength, with all their might. They will move and participate in the strategy of the Lord which will be unveiled to us by the Spirit of God. It was even a, 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 a center on the other team was like a giant. And uh, uh, from that point on, he he fumbled, he stumbled, he couldn't hold on to the board, a ball, whereas before he was dunking, dunking on, on Will. And there was a change, a change, because there is a new game, and there is new men, new women that are being called to this game, to this end time conflict, and we will win, and the Lord is saying, you have the victory, but we're called upon to move by the Spirit of God, to work and listen to him and be what we're supposed to be and do what we're supposed to do. And we will have the kingdom of heaven be on earth. And the Lord will be exalted. And his strength will be known to his people. And there will be signs and wonders. And the people will behold that this is not mere men. This is the work of God working through men. Have it be so, God. Have it be so, O oh God, that you be glorified and you get exalted, O oh God. And if we die, we die. If we if we, we are prison, we are in prison. Whatever it is, O oh God, we will go forth. We will not be slack. We will not be weak. We will not we will endure by the strength of your spirit. So we 
bless him for this new strategy. This not looking behind, not that the, the things that are behind are all evil or wicked, or, but there's new things that we must set our affections on that which is right before us. That which is a task that we have to do that has never been done before. That was done with a new strength and a new power, new wisdom, new revelation in Jesus' name. So then, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. The past is gone. Look, what is new has come. And all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ who has given us, given you the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them. And he has given us the message, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, you are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his plea through you, pleading to the world, be reconciled to God. baptisms all over the streets of Nashville. I really long for that day. We had a foretaste of it Friday night. New believers' baptisms, prodigals coming home, people that come to Christ that can only reach other people that are in their worlds that we can't reach, where there's barriers being crossed over and over and over and over and over again throughout the whole city and country and world. So um, just two thoughts. I, um, my favorite quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City, you know, and it is like that. Like he goes to a whole game and it doesn't matter <laughs> what the whole rest of the game was in a sense because they get to the two-minute warning. It's like a whole new game with Mahomes, you know. And um, just wanted to, uh, like, I've had a long game. I'm 54, you know. Um, I'm just being released by the Lord to, to actually write um, the story that God has written in our lives and um, put that out. And I like the way Carol has put this to me. It's like, it's like you're offloading, <laughs> you know, your whole story, your whole testament up till now so that you can kind of, like, go into the new. And uh, this took me a little bit by surprise, but um, it really does um, 
feel that way to us. So we're stepping into a whole new day. But it's really not us. It's, it's the way God's moving, you know, on the earth right now. And so we get to be part of, of his story. So the other thing I, I wanted to piggyback on was um, the Isaiah 4 passage about the seven maidens that would grab after one man. So, and this is just, if I could just share anything that would be my heart before the Lord. So, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven maidens, the seven ladies to Ephesus, and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice of the one who was speaking with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the middle of the lampstands, there was one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet, and girded across his breast with a golden girdle. Jesus' head and his hair are white like wool, like snow. His eyes are like a flame of fire. His feet is like burnished bronze as to cause glowing in a furnace. And his voice is like the sound of many waters which can reach forth into all the earth. Every single tongue can hear the voice of the Lord in its own language, in its own culture. This sound of the Lord's voice going forth. The supreme diplomat he is, the ambassador, the apostle of our faith, the hero, the pioneer. He's the one that all the ladies love, all the seven churches, all of them love him. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. He holds us in his hands. And out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. And his face shines like the sun. I was raised in Florida. I mean, when that sun shines and you feel the warmth of that sun, it is just, ugh. But there's nothing like the face of the son and when i saw him i fell at his feet as a dead man and this is the deal when we see him we fall at his feet no matter if we're on a platform or if we're in our closet or if we're in the dust or if we're on top of the world we fall at his feet and this is my prayer when this one man who is god is raised up that all men will be drawn to him and will fall down before him as dead man because they know that in him is the resurrection and the life. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. Come.
says the Lord. And my reward is with me. And we say to you, even so, Lord, come quickly.
just annul it. You didn't just nullify it. You destroyed it. Every disconnect between us and you for a new and living way, for a one new man, for the new reality. The reality of Christ in us. We can live and move and have our being in you. You can live and have and move and have your being in us. There's no more disconnect. Space-time barrier, annulled, destroyed. Mm -hmm. 
we can say like the Lord to Philip, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Oh, come on. The glorious mystery. <laughs> the mystery of what Paul preached. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'll take away your consciousness of sin. There's no more consciousness, it's self-consciousness. It's gone. Paid for at the cross. Satisfied. Complete. To tell us die. It is finished. from wherever there where we're going he's right here now here and here am I and I have come to do the will of the one who has sent me sent by God jettisoned into a body of sin but redeemed at the cross <laughs> oh the marvel of the glory Amen. amen. You say amen. Amen. The yes and the amen unto the glory that is working through us. Right. Yeah. yeah. Second Samuel, chapter number 21. Starting verse 15. <clears throat> Another battle was fought between the Philistines and Israel. So David went down with his soldiers and fought the Philistines. David became exhausted. Now Ishbi Banab, one of the descendants of Rapha, had a spear that weighed 300 bronze shekels. And he was armed with a new weapon. He had said that he would kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zeruah, came to David's aid, striking the Philistine down and killing him. And then David's men took an oath, saying, You must not go out to battle with us again. 
You must not extinguish the lamp of Israel. Later, there was another battle with the Philistines, this time in Gob. On that occasion, Sibachai, the Hushatite, killed Saph, who was one of the descendants of Rapha. Yet another battle occurred with the Philistines in Gob. And on that occasion, Elanan, the son of Jer, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Yet another battle occurred in Gath. On that occasion, there was a large man who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, 24 in all. He too was a descendant of Rapha. When he taunted Israel, Jonathan, the son of David's brother, Shimei, killed him. These four were the descendants of Rapha who lived in Gath. They were killed by David and his soldiers. <laughs> Men of war. Let's pray. Lord, I call upon your divine grace for unction to preach this morning that this word would come forth in the way that you seem fit to make it and designed it. It would go beyond the comprehension of the intellect and beyond the emotional emotions, but it would dig deep down into our spirit that we would know you through the text, that we would be known by you in the preaching of this word. That it will uh, be life to us and it will call us to overcome, stand our ground in the heavens, in Zion. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you, Henry. I always feel your prayer. I always thank you for that. Transmission right over here. I can feel it every time. Thank you. This last week, I, I received in the mail something that, that I had heard Dr. Michael Halstead mention in his podcast. It's the uh, Naked Bible Podcast. Uh, and some of our guys, we had listened to it. Did I say that right, Kara? Is it naked or naked? How do you say it? Naked or Naked. Appalachian or Appalachian, tomato or tomato, potato or potato, pachalet or pacolet. I don't know. What? <laughs> Naked. Train of thought, train of thought. Michael Heiser and Dr. Halstead, Matt Halstead and Dr. Michael Heiser uh, on their podcast, we were listening to that, and he makes this reference to uh, a Baruch Halpern. Uh, Baruch Halpern wrote a 1981 dissertation, and it's called The uh, Constitution of the Monarchy in Israel. Uh, it's, it was recently published by Brill Publishing. It comes out of, like, Harvard Semitic uh, Press or something like that. And so I had put it in my Amazon drop-down wish list, $35 and whatever cent, and I was like, I'm going to have that one day, you know, 
And when you find that you live and move and have your being, even the Lord knows when to order a book out of Amazon. This is pretty funny. I, I know, but he knows what he's doing in you. This kind of confidence that it's going to come just at the exact right time. And so it does. And I get the constitution of the monarchy in Israel right after talking to the McManuses about God establishing his government in this nation, and then it shows up in the mailbox. And I thought, well, now we have the Constitution. I mean, the Constitution. Not the independent one, but the dependent one. And um, Janie, she smiled at me. She said, oh, I bet you're going to enjoy that or something to that extent. And I, I said, yeah, I can't wait to get into this. And so I, I go uh, that evening to uh, my uh, my bed, because you know how David, he laid on his bed, and so I was like, I'm laying on mine too, and I'm going to enjoy the Lord all day long. Hey, you know what? Winston Churchill did that. Y'all know that? Till like 12 o'clock, the guy was on his bed and managed the whole affairs of state from a place of rest, because those who rest are blessed. We rest in God. We Shabbat, Miss Nolan, Right? Yes, we Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. And uh, there is no activity outside of God that doesn't come out of rest. So anyways, I'm like, I'll take that up. Because the very best work comes from rest. I mean, you'll be more productive out of rest than you ever will be tolling and through anxiety to get something done. It doesn't work. That's the fault system. Let's just go ahead and be real about it. This is the work I have for you to believe on the one whom he has sent. If it takes you a while to tap into believing, then wait until you work and be engaged in the rest of God. So anyways, I'm there with the constitution of the monarchy of Israel. And it's a dense treatise. If you've ever read dissertations, I kind of like reading dissertations. Not everybody's kind of oriented that way, so that's okay. You don't have to be oriented that way. Some people like devotional literature. I like devotional literature, poet, poet, poetry. Some like prose. Some like whatever, whatever. Uh, but I was going through the, and I get to page like number 33, I think it was. Oh, that's exactly where you're at. And I was, um, I'm reading this section. And it, and it says that scholars are in this kind of conflict over uh, Psalms 132 as it relates to Psalms 89 and 2 Samuel 7. Now, when I say Psalms 132, I don't know what comes to your mind. But this is what comes to my mind. Hey, remember all the afflictions of David and how he swore to the mighty God of Jacob that he will not give sleep or rest to his eyelids until he finds a place for the Lord, a mighty dwelling place, or a dwelling place for the mighty God of Jacob. Uh, we heard about it in the field of the jar. Come, O Lord, down to your dwelling place. Uh, rise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. That's kind of what goes on in my mind. And when I hear Psalms 132 or read it, I'm like, oh, place, dwelling place, resting place. I hear makam in the Hebrew. I hear mishkanat in the dwelling place. I hear men you had. That's what I hear. And I hear that this man made a vow that was going to change all of history in his generation. And I have, like, looked at 132 and studied it and said, you know, Lord, it, 
You want to set up a government in your nation, well, it must be after the pattern of 132 because if that guy's like going to succeed to the throne and he's going to say we're going to set the ark of God as our primary uh, worship to him alone, then, hey, we better in this generation get on the ball. And we're going to set the one, the mighty God of Jacob, as our first priority. And I'd held 132 as the greatest thing I've, maybe I've ever known. And I'm, so I'm looking at that, and I've, you know, the priests are going to be completely dedicated to the Lord. It says that. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing. It says, I'll give my people bread. I'll, I'll provide food for everybody. It's like, that's cool. I'll cause the horn of uh, David to be exalted. I'll cause the crown to flourish. Not some blue and red-based system up in D.C. I'll bring forth not a blue and red party politic. I'll bring forth a royal family built out of the purple. You know, y'all have heard me say that. I'm like, Psalms 132 is amazing. I'm like, um, our family, it took 17 years just to get into McCollum, a place. I remember the Lord's like testifies to me. You finally found a place for me. Now, pioneer for a dwelling place. But you'll have to be homeless. You know, because y'all are always trying to get yourself located down in some kind of thing. You think the diaspora and all that wasn't sort of like intended by God? That we would feel sort of like left high and dry a little bit? Why? Because he told me, I'm not saying this about you, I'll say this about me. He said, you're so focused on the external that you never pay attention to the eternal and in that way i have no dwelling place because you don't even know me you know about my acts you don't know my ways moses and uh but who wants to feel like this i don't i'm military (laughs) i was trained you know i don't want to feel like this (laughs) it's all about like discipline (laughs) Get all your core disciplines down or, you know, we like liturgy. We like all just structure. No, I'm not into that. I'm into the relationship side. The Lord's like, come down before me and be you perfect. Is that what it looks like? Zebulun who floats on the water? Is that what it's like? Oh, yeah. Completely disoriented, omnidirectional disorientation. I told you I flew aircraft, you know, and uh, if you're in the clouds and you get disoriented and you don't know how to read instruments, you know what happens to you? You die, more than likely, unless you break out in time and you're like, I'm upside down, I got to be right side up. With God, when you come up into the heavens, let's just go ahead and say, you're going to feel disoriented. Man was trying to find his roots in a blue and a red-based system. That's all that is. I'm going to know by the tree of knowledge of uh, good and evil. The Lord said, come into the tree of life, and we find a disorientation. We've lost our spatial orientation because of the fall. I remember, like at Collider, the Lord's like, when we were downtown Asheville, I said, I don't understand. I'm completely disoriented. I remember that Sunday, uh, Austin's wife comes up, and she's, uh, the following week, and she says, she says, I know now that y'all are following the word. Because I just stood up there like this for like a long time because I didn't know what to do. Because when you don't know what to do, you don't do. You just wait. Because I was completely spatially disoriented. And I go home that night and 
I think my mom called me. She said, I've been getting this verse. Uh, where are you, Adam? And I, I knew the Lord was speaking. He said, it wasn't a what of masculinity or a who of femininity or a why of your cosmology. It was aware that you have a problem, man. You've been accustomed to sound, but I'm made of light. And I want you to be able to track the heavens. I said, what? Can you explain this to me? He's like, well, it's kind of like going from a gasoline-driven engine to all electric. And then the electric boom hits on our motors start hitting. They do go faster. I mean, they have a lot more torque. Tom was telling me about it. Put you back in your seat. Some of them, 2,000 horsepower. Are you tracking with me? Do I sound like I'm all over the place? Maybe I am. No, I'm not. I have a logical pattern here. God's light. He's surrounded by a cloud, but in him is no variable or shadow of turning. Uh, We might be. (laughs) Shadow dimension, psychology, shadow. Oh, who is this? Who am I? What am I? I don't know. Just saw my shadow. Just paid attention more to the shadow than the substance. You You know what I'm saying? Colossians. The substance of Christ, the light of God, not built out of sound, built out of light of who he is. And what hit me in the constitution of the monarchy of Israel was when the scholar said, 132, all these scholars, 132 of Psalms only shows a a sense of temporality. When you read 132, you don't find an eternal covenant. You find a temporary covenant. And they speak of that it seems to them to be on condition. It seems conditional. Well, David does these certain things. Him and his sons will have certain things. You'll have a a seat. Uh, You're going to have a thing. But you've got to do something to get it. You defy it. This is what's going to happen to you. But... It's, it's built out of temporality. It's a temporary kind of covenantal provision, and this is what the scholars are saying. I'm reading that, and I, I just read Psalms 89 the night before, most of it. I love Psalms 89. It's like one of my favorite sections of Scripture. You know, when David's coming in in 2 Samuel 7 to establish uh, the government of God, well, 5 and 6 and 7, he's bringing the ark in. He's coming in to establish that government. At, at that point, from what he, he's going to set up a temporary like pavilion, like a tent-type structure. And there's going to be like this thing in the life of David and of temporality the whole time. His, his seat of government later on is going to be threatened by many different factions and foes, is going to come against that because he's established in a place of conditionality. There are conditions that David has to meet, and if he doesn't, it's going to maybe relegate the throne where the Lord himself would say, hey, I'm not going to have any more part of this. David will be described as a man after God's own heart, but he's also, there's an indictment against him. He's, in a way, he's called a man of war because he had shed innocent blood of Bathsheba's husband. And some of his guys had shed innocent blood. And David's throne, the throne that God was established, the throne of David, in the time of David, was having an issue of being 
If I meet conditions, I'll be approved of. If I get these conditions right, I'll be approved of. And when I was looking at that uh, this last week, I was saying, that don't make sense to me, or it does make sense to me. And the Lord, in the text, he backs it up to Saul. Now, Saul was the first king of Israel. And remember what that Benjamite leader did. Remember, he's, going to, he's under attack. They've got forks, hoes, some pickaxes probably, even if they had them in that day. They have an elementary technology compared to the Philistine army. They're being put under siege, and Saul, the first king of Israel, is in the shakedown. And I, I don't know if you remember what happens when right at the last minute, instead of obeying the word of the Lord, what does he do? He makes a sacrifice. Then the Samuel, the prophet, the guy that, like, hacks up people. I mean, this guy's, we had all, he's scared to death if Samuel showed up, you know, or Elijah. Those guys, man, they don't play games. They're like, you know, I'll kill y'all and let God sort you out. I mean, these guys, they were the true, like, prophets. They, th those guys are serious men. They don't have any pension or pass out over blood. They're just like, they're just, these guys are dudes. Samuel comes up to him. You've done wickedly in the eyes of the Lord. Today your kingdom will be stripped from you. Now Samuel later on is going to go and start crying. <laughs> Nobody sees him, but we know about it in the text. Sorry, Samuel, I know you're watching. We know that you were crying because the Lord told you, quit crying. I've ordained another guy to be in leadership. Stop your, stop it. And it looks like to me, if you look at Saul's life, that there was a condition. There was a condition because man-made ideology and humanistic thoughts and we want a king that can rule over us like the other nations do. We want a man-centered king. We want someone like everybody else. We want something that feeds the, the sense of who we are, our own sense of humanness. We, we want someone that's like us, someone that will defend us, someone that will take care of us. Don't do that. I'm telling you that, guys, conscript your sons, take your girls, and take your fields. Because that kind of kingship is always grasping. The kind of king that you're asking me for with his humanistic, man-centered ideology is going, to be the, is going to be the detriment of your entire nation. I don't want a man like that. And so you know what happens to Saul? Condition had to be placed on him. The law. I don't doubt that God had redeemed Saul, that Saul wasn't uh, one of God's uh, sons. God may have accepted Saul as a person, but he rejected him in his position. Hear me. Because he broke the conditionality. But hear this. Why? Because anything that man can do is based in condition. If you can do it, if you, I, ego, me, can bring it to pass then it has to have a set of conditions that have to be fulfilled. And God's own law that Moses wrote will bring that into a set of conditions. Do you want what you can do? And yet, 
So many of us, and we all can testify to this, have lived according to what I can do or what I can't do. Hear me. And because we've lived like that, we've come under what's called the covenant of works. There's tip for tat, this for that. You put this much in, you get that much out. And there's a way that you can live like that if you want to. You can live in a reality of condition. You can live with that mindset. You can also treat others with that same mind. This is why forgiveness is such a powerful thing because when we walk in unforgiveness, we're holding someone else in a sense of liability thinking that we ourselves are not liable. And you know what Scripture says about garnering unforgiveness in your heart. And some person comes along and starts teaching us the kingdom like Tom. And we're like, what's he talking about? I mean, what's Tom talking about? What's this guy up here talking about? You know, and the Lord's like, you got to back it up. Back it up to Saul. Back it up even to David. I'm wanting to build a house out of unconditional election. Oh, man. Imagine such a thing. And I was reading Jonathan Edwards because he's like one of my favorite guys. I read him in seminary. And man, he started laying out this. And if you take notes, may this help to help you. This is what I did in my notes. I laid out Saul and I put him in the covenant of redemption. And then I laid out David and put him in the covenant of works. And then I laid out Solomon and I put him in the covenant of unconditional election. I know you're thinking what I'm thinking. Solomon did some really jacked up stuff. Agreed. Unconditionally elected. If you and I, if you can hear the wisdom of what I'm saying today and you can let it just, and you can say, that guy, I don't understand him. He don't make sense to me hardly. But I know what he's saying comes from the Lord. And that you would allow yourself to allow the Lord to bring you into an in-depth relationship with him on uncondition. You will be transformed. You will accelerate up into the heavens faster than you ever have. You will transmit the kingdom of God out of Zion like you've never known. Because you'll say this, the one, the one new man, he's fulfilled all the conditions. Oh, man. Get you some of that. Get you some of him. I'm not living my life in condition, but unconditioned. Because he's already fulfilled all of them. I wrote this out that in the covenant of redemption, really the impetus behind the, the Reformation was that. Luther's going to say, look, guys, you keep adding works to everything, but the just shall what? And the one who is my righteous one, it says, 
lives by faith. Abram, it's attestified of him, it says, and Abram, what? Believed. And it was accounted unto him for what? And so my whole economy, my whole economic is trust. My whole entire economic, if you want to use that language, or my transfer is to be known by him. I'm not seeking for gain except to gain all that Christ has ordained for me. He said the just shall live by faith, and the church started its reformation. He was dealing in the covenant of redemption, and, and then what I see happen so much, and I've watched this, I've observed this. Paul said this, and I mentioned this in the worship. We get into the covenant of redemption. We've been saved. The Lord, remember how he saved you. Because uh, you didn't do it, he did it for you. You merely, he would moved on you, and you couldn't help it because he's irresistible. He's so, his love is so irresistible. You were running to the altar, falling on your face. Something was happening to you because he's so loving, you can't take it. You don't have to convince anybody of God because he's so irresistible. And you remember that, and you were redeemed by blood. And then the next thing you know, we go into conditions. And everybody's like, don't wear that, don't do this. You shouldn't do that, I shouldn't do this. What about that? And Paul's going to hammer it. He's going to hammer Peter even. I mean, he's going to come after them all saying, you guys are getting back into the works-based, conditional-based relationship with God, and you're missing the glories of the riches of Christ that he's already purchased for you. You're living your life based in conditions. Someone will come up and offend you and do something wrong instead of forgiving them. Someone will say, give me your, uh, your steals your clothing. Y'all have heard me tell this story before. This guy calls me one year. He said, Carol, someone stole all of, my, uh, all of my tools that I used to build. And he said, the Lord told me to call you. I said, are you sure <laughs> that he told you to call me? It's this guy, do you know him? He said, yeah. I said, do you have any tools left? He said, yeah. I said, go give them to him. <laughs> I have to work. I have to provide. I said, no, this is your opportunity for upgrade. The Lord don't want you working with your back anymore. He's got something new for you. Go give him the rest of your tools so you can be offloaded from that. You can do something else for a living. The Lord's trying to do you a favor. Someone takes your cloak, give them your tunic too. Sermon on the Mount is the most beautiful, if you want to call it, philosophy of the kingdom that you'll ever read. And if we would take it serious, it would take us right out of the, this covenant of condition and put us into transforming initiatives that would literally transform the society that is around us. You'll see it in, in it. I read Stassen and Gushy in my uh, kingdom work in ethics in seminary. So amazing to read them. They say, well, you have this thing, the law says this, and then there's a transforming initiative. And every time that you come up, you're going to have a condition. And you can take the condition of the law, and you know what you get when you do that? The law. Or you can seek the transforming initiative, and you'll be liberated, walk in freedom, and you'll bring people into freedom around you. There's always a condition. And you have a choice right there. Do I look to the 
treasure of Christ and receive what he has done for me and my behalf and see a transformation? Or do I choose the law again? I mean, I'm so grateful that the Lord's even bringing this up. You see what I mean? It's good that he would bring this up on us. As I'm just reading the Constitution of the Monarchy of Israel, and I said, what a constitution. I mean, right in there that they're getting into, well, do you want temporary dynasty? Do you want, do you want the next generation to be blessed and a generation after that for a thousand generations? Or do you want a family that's built out of conditions that puts a cut down on your own generation? Or do you want to see your children and grandchildren and their children serve the Lord? then the policy and the procedure of your household needs to be unconditional election. (laughs) Change your policy. When you look at your kids and you tell them, you know, because we have to say, you know, we shouldn't do that, we shouldn't do that, we should do that, we shouldn't do that. But you're so kind and gentle because it's that that brings you to repentance. And hey, my kids will tell you, I've always done this right. The preacher, I don't get it all right. I'm not putting this on you. Don't feel guilt or anything. We're not, I'm not doing that. We're being called to something higher, to the metanoia of Christ, the repentance of the Lord, to look only at him and who he is. This isn't a shame, blame thing going on here today. It's a transfer of just turning your eyes towards him. It's not sitting here and saying, I, would, I wish I could have, should have, would have, could have. No. It's my eyes are fixed on you. I hear what that preacher's saying about unconditioned. I want that. And the Lord will give it to you. I'll pay all your debts. I already did. If you can receive it. You don't have to manipulate or control. Uh, last year, we're in a prayer meeting over at uh, Brian and Brenda Weatherman's house. It's during the day. A group of us gathered together for prayer. I'm pacing the floor. The worship's going on. The Holy Spirit says to me, so what? You know, it might have been the Lord because the Holy Spirit, he's different than that. I think it was the Lord. You know, because he's kind of like, the Father's kind of funny. The Son is kind of like, yeah, what's up? You know, and the Holy Spirit is very gentle. (laughs) So he says, so what? And I said, what do you mean, Lord? He says, sacrifice and offering. I don't desire it. And I'm, I'm sitting there pacing the floor. I was like, the whole Christian church is built off of volunteerism and click a plate. I was like, you'll collapse the whole church. I mean, if we didn't have people volunteering and uh, bringing offerings, we wouldn't have a church. Would, uh, would we? <laughs> and the Lord's not anti, he's not anti in the sense of sacrifice and offering, but he says that's not my primary desire. And then he says, I don't even take delight in your double offerings. You know, put up or shut up, make your investments so you can get your returns. I don't even take a delight in that. He said, what I wanted is a body. You know, that's the best news I've ever heard. Hear me. I want a body that I can integrate my unconditionality into. I want you. And you know that if anybody's ever treated you and used you, and everybody in here has been used. There's something in us wants to push that person away because we don't like to be used. We don't like, we don't want to be seen utilitarian. We don't want to see be seen pragmatically. 
We revel it. We push against it because something inside of us says that's wrong. When somebody manipulates or tries to control me, no matter how they try to hold it in the background, we know that something's wrong, and it, may, it hurts us, and it, it, it damages our sense of self. And all of your unforgiveness or forgiveness that you've had to employ was because of that reason. Someone manipulated or controlled you, tried to use you for their own benefit, and it hurts. And so when the Lord says, I don't want you in a sacrifice-based system, an offering-based system, I was like, man, you're going to shut the whole entire church down. Well, not the real one, because they'll wind up their whole body to me. It is, we are called the what? Body of Christ. And it's like it, I was so grateful that God did that. I was so grateful that the Lord said that to me. I was so grateful to be backed into a corner. I didn't have a job except to preach. And I was like, I'm not taking any more offerings. We have six kids. It got real fast, real. <laughs> what, you believe me that I care about you? You believe me that you don't have to go and do that? You believe that I'll meet you in a moment when nobody sees? You know me as father? Apparently not. Scared half out of my whiz. You know, uh, are you going to show up, Lord? I don't know. And I started finding something out about him. Run it to zero. Push on out and see if the Lord won't show up every single time. Let me testify to you. I was like, oh, that's how. Oh, I'll meet your condition. On your unconditioned election. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me and my family. Let the Lord push you to the very brink edge of your forgiveness, your resources, your health, and say, I place all my trust in you. Thank you. Like, hey, hey, do this to me. Oh, you could get bold like that. Hey, run me out of everything because I'll meet you every time. Well, you don't have to grasp anymore. You don't have to try. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to control. You don't have to run a sacrifice and offering system. You don't have to run any of that. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live in shame. You can live free. I mean, our Constitution has some kind of idea. Freedom is the weirdest thing to call it independence. When God had called us to complete dependence on him. You want the unconditioned? Go full dependence. Allow yourself to go there. Quit fighting and quit building security systems around yourself. Let the Lord have you. I don't know what your application is. It don't have to be mine. But let him, by his Holy Spirit, speak to you. Where is your trust? Because I'll tell you, we've spurned the glory of who Christ is. We've had an apathy about him and not realize the glory of what he would give the human spirit if we would just give him all of ourselves. He will freely give you all things. All of himself. What have we been doing? How many psychobabble treatments can you take? The Lord will give you himself. Think about that. The king of glory, the one who has everything, would give 
you everything if you'll give him everything. Now, he does have that one condition. Give me your whole body. Lend up your whole self to me. Don't you hold back. Just give me you. I'm not asking for your, uh, I already own everything. I'm not asking for anything but you. Give up yourself. If you get a chance, listen to Shy Labeouf uh, and his, uh, go on uh, YouTube and listen to his testimony. Kara's been holding him in her heart for years. And it looks like he's just recently had a powerful conversion. It's a powerful testimony. He's, he's the guy that played, what is that, Lydia? What's that show, Even Stevens? And he's Lewis, and Even Stevens like a little kid show. He also played in some other films and things, but he has had a tremendous conversion. And he said the one thing the gospel was bringing to him, and he has no clue about any of it, was let go. That's what he kept hearing. Take your hands off, let go, and he said he was immersed into love. It's causing him already to, forget, to talk to his mother and his dad and walk in restoration of his family. And he's, he's like, it's not intellectual and it's not emotional. I just let go. It's a powerful testimony to hear a guy who's been in Hollywood convert. You know, my wife said to me, I realize that my prayer does matter too. But she prayed for him. I watched one of his films years ago and literally lost it in the theater crying. I've never cried, I don't think, in a film ever in his uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Because that film and the guilt, Zach in the film, who's a, um, has a Down syndrome, he, we find out later that he attempted to leap shy to Christ after the film because Zach is a Christian. It messed with him. Zach said, the only thing I know how to do is he said, what are you good at? He said, bleeding out in front of people. He's just recently done a film called Padre Pio. I'm telling you, it's powerful what he's saying. The Lord's come in and intervened into his life. He said, you know, I've, I've, I don't want to be called a method actor. I want to be fully immersed. <laughs> I was like, this guy, because we've tried this methodology of method acting in the church and now we hear this guy from Hollywood saying, I'm going for full immersion. Hey, you too, me too. Baptizo means, basically the idea behind baptism is to change a cucumber to a pickle. Full immersion. I mean, are we going to be a workspace cucumber? Or are we going to be unconditionally elected pickle? <laughs> I want to be pickled with God. I mean, you know that. What does it have to do with David defeating four giants? Let me close this out. And his guys. Well, I went and checked the etymology of their names. One guy, his name's not mentioned, but it says how many fingers and toes he has. Listen, 24 the guy whose name's Saf is the root word of sapphire. The other guy's name, this really like struck me. And I, I said, Lord, right here at the end of David's life, he's going to secure an eternal, an eternal throne for his son. The other guy's name, um, Ish. Ishbi Banab, his name means a seat in a very high place. 
Are you seeing a picture like I began to see? A seat in a very high place at a sapphire throne. Lahami means uh, the idea of taking food from other people. And the other guy has 24 fingers and toes. Do you see the picture? What is it? It's the opposite of the very throne of God. And I said, oh, Lord, this is amazing. He said, yes, because he was setting up with me at the end of his life an eternal throne. That he had spent his whole life trying to stabilize a temporary by the covenant of works, but I was teaching him unconditional election. You see it? It's in the narrative. You know what's going to happen after that? David's going to sing a new song in the next chapter, and he's going to pass on in the next one. This is a picture like this of the Lord showing me the covenant of redemption, the covenant of works. But now this covenant that Jonathan Edwards talked of unconditional election. You see it? Hey, why should we live our whole lifetime when we can have the throne room now? Why not mobilize against everything that's hostile to the very throne of God entering into this place right now in this nation? Why not have a boldness about us to what? To believe that Jesus himself has fulfilled every condition. You want to see those giants come down? Let's all stand. You want to see the giants come down? Believe the word of the Lord. Live your life out of condition into the unconditioned. Why? Because one man, one new man, has fulfilled them all. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not on condition of works, lest you would have a reason to boast. See, I chose you, says the Lord. You didn't choose me. I came after you. I was tracking you down. I'm irresistible. Receive me. Receive my covenant. Receive this new covenant, the covenant, the covenant of grace, the covenant of unconditionality. Stop treating others that way because every time you put someone else in a condition, you have conditions on yourself because I'm not looking at him. Look at him. calls me yesterday I, I was taking my walk re receiving this and I've received this message in three parts from the Lord this week I said I, I don't know how to put all that together Lord he said you'll do it when you get up there don't worry about it I said okay and she, she reads to me Psalms 36 lately the Lord I've been hearing this every day and she shall do you good all your days I said my wife is the most beautiful person to me she said like you put a mandate on me I said, well, you know, that's what he said. You'll do me good all my days. Hopefully I can do you good too. <laughs> but, you know. She reads me Psalms 36, and I felt the Spirit just come down on me. Listen to what it says. An evil man is rebellious to his core. He does not fear the Lord. He's so proud, he can't even give up or recognize his own sin. The words he speaks, 
hearts are sinful and deceitful. He does not care about doing what is right and wise. He plans ways to sin even while he's in his bed. He's committed to a sinful lifestyle. He does not reject what is evil. Oh, Lord. And then he changes. This is this, this Psalms 36 shifts. And then so David is making a comparison and contrasting between the wicked. And listen to this. He says, oh, Lord, your loyal love reaches to the sky. You see it? You see the other four giants? Already got his, I got the one giant down. We got four more. Your loyal love reaches to the sky. You're enthroned in love. You're up in the heavens. You wanted proper worship. You wanted the threshold to be correct around the throne. You want the seat, the JSOC, the joint, this, this place of the judgment seat of Christ. You wanted an economy of giving and blessing. You wanted this in our life. It reaches up into the heavens. It's a life of love. Your faithfulness to the clouds. Your justice is like the highest mountain. Your, 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 uh, your fairness is like the deepest sea. You preserve mankind and the animal kingdom. How precious is your loyal love, O oh God. The human race finds shelter under your wings. They're filled with food from your house, and you allow them to drink from the river of delicacies. For you are the one who gives and sustains life. Extend your loyal love now. to your faithful followers. Even now, I pray for you that you will know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. That you will know the love of God that goes beyond your emotions. That you will be and experience God's love out of the heavens. Now. 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 Now, that you will know that you've been secure and have an eternal security in Him. That you were chosen not based in your condition, that you would will or run, but that He chose you and elected you for His own glory and His own grace now. And that you would experience this love now. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts now. Let the dew of heaven drop. The walls of Jericho have fallen. I've been exposed. The barrier that's been inside of me has been laid waste to. The hostility that's been there trying to protect myself with anger and fear. Oh, I don't need it anymore because I'm one new man. I'm a new creature. Behold, everything that's old. Hey, Austin, 
all the old has passed away. Behold, you're brand new. I'm new. Everything about me is new. Come on, you grab hold of heaven to receive the very love of God. I've been chosen not based on my own condition, but by the unconditioned because you fulfilled all the conditions. I am yours and you are mine and mine is yours and you are mine. I've been chosen from the foundation of the world to be found in you, Lord. Whoa. And I say yes and amen unto the glory. Let the glory of heaven arise in me and in you. Yeah, yeah, see, you're believing with me. It's not what I've done or what I will do, but it's because of who he is. It's because of who you are right now living in me. Oh, I love the gospel. It's the best news I've ever heard. Done is finished. Yes, it's finished. Yeah, I don't have to press in. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I'm in to the Lord and he's in me. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I say yes to this message. Hey, you can see why David sang a new song. He couldn't help himself. He had to sing a song of delight. Oh, the delight of the Lord is in us because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. Oh, mighty love. Oh, reach into our living soul and manifest yourself in us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, you're mine and I'm yours. and declare the glories of this man. Oh, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Watch what it brings, oh, open your heart and sing, ascend and rise to the King. All right, come in, we'll have communion together, just uh, come and get the elements, we'll uh, take it together as a family. Yeah. 
for us to understand our eschatology, you know, the imminent return of the Lord. I got some language for it. Well, what about we just call it a, the atomic locus or and the atomic menace? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. An atomic conus. Oh, the conus. Let's take this great nation for the Lord. And then the atomic nexus. Oh, the glorification of man and all of his eschatology and multi-dimensions can come into the room now. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. Oh, yes, I am. And then we're a new man and one in the Lord. Say it. 
I'm a new creature. Hey, I'm a new creature. Yeah, you are. The walls are down, and a canopy is went over. which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He broke every human barrier in himself. Every barrier has been broken and liberated. This is the cup of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I praise you, Lord, and I honor you and extol you, and I give you all the glory and honor that you are due for your great glory and your faithful. I claim your faithfulness, Lord. your faithfulness, Lord. Great are you, Lord, and great are you, Lord, and holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, we magnify you, Lord, we magnify you, Lord. Coming of the Lord. 